0: Hey sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast.
1: We're Seattle fans, talking Seattle sports.
0: We're your hosts, I'm Connor.
1: I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it!
0: Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 87. And boys, it was good to see you on Saturday. Watch, Watch a game together at Just Chill Pub and Grill oh they were they were great hosts to us uh yeah we 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 got together for 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 the game against usc and what do you know it the dogs come out on top 52 to 42 9 and 0 number five in the country still gonna get into it all tonight uh here with me tonight obviously is both the fellas introduce samuel first tonight sam how you doing sir what are you sipping on
2: I'm good. I'm sipping on the same old Kirkland signature that has been in the cupboard forever.
0: You gotta be getting close, my friend. Drink up, man. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Justin. Okay. Stop.
2: Water boy. Take it easy. Smoothie Take boy. it easy. I'm good. I'm honestly a little bit on edge right now. I've got a pretty massive dynasty fantasy football <laughs> trade out in the ether. <laughs> i you, you got know. some
0: adrenaline going through your veins right now, Sam. <laughs>
2: I don't know, it's almost like a downer. I'm a little bit ner. I still am ner- I still don't feel great about it.
1: I feel like you're going to cancel it before you go to bed because you can't deal with the anxiety.
2: I've thought I about could see it. That. I've thought I could about see it. That. <laughs> but anyways, other than that, you know, I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Justin? That smoothie of yours looks fan-fucking-tastic.
1: Can't see it, but it is green in a green cup. So, so that's some spinach and all sorts of good shit in there no alcohol so that's what i'm drinking tonight trying to watch you know, your figure justin have to you know you're getting older i was playing soccer last night i've lost a step a little bit you know you just have you start to feel it and your body's slowing down so i think it's around this age where your metabolism slows down and such i don't know if you guys have felt that way but i'm starting to feel it
0: did you just turn 30 or are you 30 next year i turned 30 in april yeah yeah probably. it's coming it's coming it's coming yeah. just wait
1: uh, so I'm, I'm starting to feel it but yeah no alcohol tonight but connor i'm sure you're going to make up for my lack of participation
0: yeah i actually made myself a manhattan tonight there it is very good so it's almost gone because we were talking dynasty <laughs> for an hour and a half before we started recording <laughs> but that's okay that's okay It i mean it's not just podcasting that we do these it's it's to you know catch up and Mm-hmm. and shoot our shit you know it's it's fun it's it's hanging out over over uh, social media basically for us so anyway drinking manhattan right now and i'll probably need a backup beverage at some point but we'll get to it when we get to it let's talk about the dogs guys mm. man what a barn burner i mean that talk about another game that probably lived up to the hype that's yeah. the second one this year with with that in the Oregon game that lived up to the hype Two, you know, Heisman hopefuls, whether you Caleb Williams is actually in the Heisman race or not. This year he's definitely a Heisman level talent. Michael Penix Jr. the Heisman favorite. Both quarterbacks put on a show. But albeit it was actually something someone else that kind of stole the show. Sam, do you want to talk about uh your boy Dylan Johnson and his performance on Saturday?
2: And Dylan Johnson showed up and showed out 26 carries 256 yards four touchdowns. That is. I mean, I remember I said it in the first quarter, I think he broke off a decent run, not like one of the big runs he had the whole game. But I looked at us all, all of you across from the table and I was just like, I feel like I say this at the beginning of every Husky game, like, wouldn't it be nice if we got the running game going and just carried the team for once? We were all laughing about how it's hilarious that we always say that and it never happens. And like, what did you know? It actually happened this week. Our offensive line absolutely dismantled the USC defense. I mean, Dylan Johnson, he had like a hundred and. 27 yards before contact.
0: I think it was more than that. I think it was almost 200. I think it was
2: 50 50 is what I heard.
0: Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw another tweet that it was like 199 yards before contact, but maybe whatever not. it
2: was, it was a ridiculous amount. It
0: was a lot. Yes.
2: And so the offensive line definitely deserves the credit there as well. But Dylan Johnson, mm-hmm. guys. I mean, we heard it early in the season. The coaches were saying, you know, his conditioning needs to get better. Like, sounds like he had some off-season injury or something that he's been working his way back from. He looks fast, and we all know he's big. I mean, there was I saw, uh, you know, some stats. Uh, Twitter account tweeted a, vi- tweeted a video of him reaching top speed on his long touchdown run of over twenty miles an hour.
1: Uh, close to 21, yeah.
2: That is a big boy that's moving fast. Like, yeah. I don't think any of us realized until this game just how good of an athlete he is. And if he can, you know, do half of that in any game down the stretch, I mean, even just the threat, put the fact that we put that on tape is going to benefit us so much, especially in this matchup against Utah. Like, giving that defense an extra element to really have to consider and think about is really important. But I mean, I don't know it such a refreshing game offensively, just to see the offensive line dominate mm. mm-hmm. In The running game. Penix was not under duress hardly at all outside of his one, like Heisman highlight, which we'll talk about. Hell I'm a play. sure. Oh, the play, yeah. incredible play, but yeah, happy for Dylan Johnson and, happy for us as a Husky fan. Like that is something that we needed to put on tape and boy, did we do it in a major way last Saturday.
0: For sure. Justin, let's turn to you. This was a game that was one of those games that we were kind of pulling our hair out the entire time because the offense would go and do something amazing. And then it would turn over to the USC offense and our defense just couldn't stop them. Like, one bit do you amount or is this something that concerns you like going forward or do you amount most of that to being like going up against Caleb Williams and he's a Heisman level talent that's going to be probably the number one pick in the NFL draft come next April like what's your feelings on the defense after that performance
1: it's still concern. I realize who you're going against and Caleb Williams is a hell of a talent, but it's concerning anytime that you're giving up plays the way that we did, you know, gashing with their backup running back for, and I get their offensive line has talent, but just gashing us for 10 yards a carry and Caleb Williams able to sprint out and just evade pressure. And I get it. You know, not many quarterbacks can probably evade pressure like Caleb Williams can because we, we got a ton of pressure maybe surprisingly on Caleb Mm. Williams, but he is strong enough to evade arm tackles and to get out of the pocket really quickly, just given his athleticism. So maybe that point uh, echoes your that's Caleb Williams and he's a Heisman winner for a reason, but I am still very, very, very concerned about some of our secondary, mainly one of our cornerbacks especially was picked on so often in this game. And so I think to be a championship level team, you need to be a little tighter on defense. Hmm. So to answer your question
0: succinctly, still concerned. Were you more concerned with the the pass defense than you were the run defense? Because honestly, know. I'm a little bit more the opposite.
1: I, I, like I mentioned, like, you know, giving up 10, 11 yards carry, whatever it was to their backup running back is concerning for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know, probably equal. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both not good, right? They're <laughs> yeah, both not know.
0: good in that game. Yeah. Um, anytime you're giving up 42 points. However, I mean USC is a team that scores in the 40s, right? Like, I mean, we they do we held them to basically what they average. So it's and, not like they went well, we off had, against us.
1: Yeah, they had 35, and then the, you know, the something loud is playing in my ear they had 35 and then we have the block punt, right? Where they mm-hmm. blocked our punt and had a short field. And so they got mm-hmm. seven off of that. So you look at it from that way, you know, you get a, you get a turnover right before half, you turn into points, they turn it over. Huge play. They have Huge a punt play. in the first quarter. I think both of us did. Um, and then they turn it over on fourth, fourth down um, when we were up 45, 42 because we had a sack way back that took them way out of field goal range. So, I guess we got the stops we needed but yep. it's still it's
0: still scary, Connor. Sure. Sam, is it something to say that like the defense did come up when they needed to though like at the most key times? I mean, we were talking about the middle eight, right? And we're going to be talking about <laughs> that I think for the rest of this this year because it seems like this team seems to thrive in those middle eight. And that was such a key play right before halftime was Z- ZTF and then, obviously, Justin mentioned the huge sack on... on was that third or... well That was on, was that was on fourth down. down, right? It was third down. It was yeah. th- third down to t- to take them out of field goal range. Right. So, um, when we were just up by three. I mean... There is something to coming up big when it counts the most.
2: Oh, for sure. And I think you know as as cliche as it comes bend but don't break type defense but i think that's honestly what we're looking at here like we break most of the game <laughs> but when push comes to shove whether it's the culture instilled in the team the what there's it's not a coincidence that this defense continues to stand up in the most pressure moment in the most important moments of a football game I mean, how many end of game fourth down stops do we have this year to like put the game away? Three. Yeah. At least Oregon, USC, Arizona State. That's three off the top of my head where the game basically Mm -hmm. all ended because the defense made a fourth and short stop. And so, like, we let USC run up and down the field all day, every day. Like you mentioned, we made a big play with ZTF's fumble, that was huge. You can point to other like big game-breaking plays like Mish Powell's pick six against Arizona State needed that. But also, like this defense really shores up in the fourth quarter. I mean, what did, did we even give up any points to USC offensively zero. in the fourth quarter? We held zero. Them, shut him them out.
0: Once once Justin's wife showed up, we gave up zero points. That's a fact.
2: So Samantha better be at the just chill pub and grill Saturday.
0: <laughs> just saying, just yeah. saying.
2: So I I mean, there definitely is something to be said about that. Now, certainly that's not going to be calming any concerns or worries that we have and that we have every right to feel that way. But at the end of the day, the defense is making a play here or a play there mm-hmm. that is ultimately significantly contributing to us winning the games that we've won right so i don't think it's fair to completely shit on them but at the end of the day like they're putting a lot of pressure on this offense to
0: put up for sure points. Mm-hmm. for sure
2: you know what i mean so there's there's some good there's some bad but it seems like at the end of the day whether it's the offense or the defense this team just finds a way to win like i know that's, that's cliche but it's what i mean what are we 17 in huge, a row
0: though What's that? Oh, 16 in a row, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That in and of itself is 16 in a row
0: going back to last year. Like we talk about
2: how hard it is to run the table in a season. Like we have not lost the last 16 games.
0: They're like Georgia type numbers or like Alabama type numbers as far as like Michigan, whatever. Like any of the elite of the elite as far as not winning for more than a full calendar year or actually, sorry, not losing for more than a, than a, well, I know it's, year.
2: it's the second longest active streak right now. Right. Georgia's ahead of us. They're like 20-something, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. that's, yeah, pretty crazy. So the
2: defense has to be doing something right. Like, at the end of the day, I think it's for sure a number one concern. But, mm-hmm. like, we're winning games.
0: We're doing just ways. enough. And, yep, doing just enough. We've obviously teased it, but there was no bigger play than... The ZTF strip sack before halftime. And an emotional week for for the kid. Um, his father just had just passed away like right after the Stanford game, basically. That's when he found out. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so went through the week of practice. The coaches were kind of unsure if he was gonna play or not, but like he was pretty adamant that he wanted to play and that his dad would want him to play. And there's something very inspiring about seeing someone so emotionally charged on the field and make a big play like that in a game like this. I mean, you just have to feel so good for ZTF. He's had, we've kind of shit on him, you know, like over the past few weeks as far as how he's performed and he still, you know, gets upfield a little too far sometimes, but he, he played really, really well in this game overall. Like I, I didn't see as much of the tendency to get upfield, Obviously, he has the big play, the big strip sack. But like even outside of that, he was getting pressure on Caleb Williams. He was bull rushing his the the offensive lineman that was going up against him. I I saw him putting on different pass rush moves and playing with inspiration that and heart that that was really good to see. And you know, I mean, I commend him for coming out and and playing for this team because I don't think we win this game without him.
2: Yeah, I mean I certainly don't think yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that's at that point in the game, that plays a 14 point swing.
0: Like yep. they were the way scoring that it was going at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And to get it out of halftime just at the time was so huge going into the locker room. You mm-hmm. talked about middle eight earlier. Obviously, we didn't do anything out of that first drive, drove it down through another red zone interception. But yeah the concept is there and it was just right. so big for the team.
0: Right. And we still went, won the middle eight. We still won the middle eight. We just didn't win it by as much as we didn't crush it. it. So, yeah. yes, Yeah.
2: We had the chance to, which I think is something that we should talk about. You know, we touched on the the defense being a big concern of ours in terms of championship aspirations of which quick side note, I also just appreciate how straightforward and blunt, DeBoer has been about this team's aspirations like he is full out in interviews saying like we think we're a championship team and like there's things that we need to do better blah 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 but he's not saying packed hole championships like he is saying I mean he hasn't said national championship or college football playoff championship but he is very clearly alluding to the fact that inside that locker room we think we're a championship team which I think is really cool I think it's the first time that I can remember the coach and the fan base and everybody feeling like there's actually a chance. And not only because we're good and this is, we can get into the whole college football playoff rankings and like contending and all that. Um, But the point I'm making is if that's who we think we are and Justin, you point out earlier, the defense isn't, you know, it's concerning if that's where we think, our aspirations lie. The other thing that's worth pointing out that has become a little bit of a trend, we're talking about the middle eight, that interception in the end zone, we have been turnover prone in the red zone, taking points off the board where we are driving down the field, going to score touchdowns. And those turnovers have been, they haven't cost us a game yet, but that is a trend that I have my eye on that could be, our Achilles heel against a top five team against an Oregon in the Pac-12 championship against Utah this fucking week. Like time and time again, it feels like we put ourselves in positions to go up 14. And then we're driving. It's like, Oh yeah, that's happening. Like we're going to punch this in. We're going to go up by two touchdowns and we'll coast fumble interception, whatever. I think that's the only other thing that I'll throw in along with the defense as being like a general concern of mine. I don't know if you all feel the same way. I know this interception in particular was kind of like an exception. You have a seven foot wingspan at linebacker. Like mm-hmm. that is what it is, but the trend is the trend and we've been turning the ball over in the red zone the last four weeks.
1: Yeah. i t- I. I agree. I agree with your sentiment. We need to not do that. We're, we talked about it last week. I don't really have any other thoughts to add. I totally agree. Connor, do you have anything?
0: No, I mean, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you cannot take the opportunity cost of turning the ball over that deep in enemy territory. Um, lightly, you know, that's, that's, that's big. That's a huge, those are huge 14 point swings in games, you know, and potentially for me- 14 point swings.
2: It's also just like the unfortunate timing of when it happens. It's Mm -hmm. like, it isn't happening when we like, well, part of it is we're not, we haven't really been trailing teams, but it's happening when we are right on the cusp of like putting the game away.
0: Yeah. Putting the nail in the coffin. Yeah. I totally agree. We have
2: not been making wins easy on ourselves. I mean, we have been in Mm -hmm. close games the last four weeks.
0: Mm Hmm character building games though right
2: well yeah for sure and i do think that there is part of that uh, is a positive takeaway if we're talking about these this november gauntlet or Pac 12 championship or college football playoff or you know bowl game whatever it is like we're going to continue to play close games Mm -hmm. and like say what you want the team's building confidence that we're just going to find a way to win because that's clearly what's been happening yeah. So there's some positive to it. I think just highlighting, you know, even against these good teams like Oregon, like USC, there is chances for us to put the game away in the third quarter, and we shot ourselves in the foot.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned it there, Sam, that this, this interception in particular was a little bit different because, I mean – Penix is going for the nail in the coffin on that. And And you want him to it. It's there. Like the throw is there. He needs to get it maybe about three or four inches higher. And that's only because like you said, the linebacker is a seven foot wingspan. So he put the ball basically where it needs to be. Yeah. But the defender made a hell of a play and you applaud, you honestly just applaud the defense on that one. You tip your tip, your cap to them. Um, And those are the types of plays that Mike Penix is going to make nine times out of 10 though. And that's why he's a Heisman front runner. And I mean, the play that he made in the first half to Devin Culp escaping the sack and then uh, like escaping all the way out to the sideline looks like we're we're just, I mean, we're all screaming, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away because it just looked bad. Right. Yeah. And then he finds Polk Culp in the back of the end zone. Colt makes a miraculous catch, by the way. Great catch. Like, I and mean, the throw was a dot, but like the, the catch was equally impressive. But like, those are the types of plays that Michael Penix is going to make because he's going to take those chances, right? I mean, that's not necessarily the safest thing to do there, right? I mean, there's three defenders down there where he's throwing that ball to Colt. 100% his the guy the safest to thing ma- to do. Yeah. yeah, He, he trusts his <laughs> guy to make, make a play and that's what you have to do if you're going to be a great quarterback. So, I'm not as worried about this interception like it sucked. It sucked, no doubt. Like it like the all, it felt like we had all the momentum in the world and it just got sucked out of our sails yeah. when he threw that pick. And I I was in total denial too. I was like he didn't catch that. He didn't catch that when it happened, but um sure enough, he obviously caught it. And it didn't end up deciding the game, but it very well could have been, you know, a huge factor in us potentially losing that game. Um, So that's where I'm at on it. But so, I I mean, I I think they were better in this game. I mean, that was the only turnover of the game. Right. So they, they obviously, I think stressed it throughout this last, last week, you know, receivers hold on to the ball. I think they're healthier this week too. this last week too, as far as, you know, whatever sickness is ailing them. It sounds like it's still kind of ailing them a bit through this last game against USC, but that they were definitely healthier than they were against Arizona state and Stanford. Yeah. So I
2: totally agree. I think the other thing that we need to call out in this moment, mm -hmm. we've talked about the offense. We've talked about the defense, obviously a special teams blunder with the, with the punt situation, just a Mm -hmm. blatantly Mm -hmm. missed assignment. We got to get that cleaned up, but Mm -hmm. Grady gross, our place, our place kicker.
0: How are you feeling about him, Sam?
2: I feel, I feel pretty good. Honestly, like, Going into the season, I can't remember which one of us called it out, but it was certainly a preseason topic where we said (laughs) it was you. (laughs) Probably going to be a game at some point this year where it's going to come down to a field goal. And like, Mm -hmm. we have no idea who this kid is and what he can do. Mm -hmm. Obviously makes the game winner with uh, where he made a critical kick in the Oregon game, right?
0: Yes, and he made multiple kicks in the Arizona State game. Did he, yeah, I don't know if he made a kick in the Oregon game. I think he did.
2: I thought he did. I could be getting some touchdowns right. I can't remember. I said it. And I then can then go as back soon and as it came out of my post. Like I definitely Arizona,
1: happened. we had a field goal.
2: Arizona, we had a field goal. We he had a game-winning field goal this year, didn't he?
0: Not like a not like a walk-off,
2: but like we kicked a field goal to go up by three points.
0: Is that against Stanford?
1: I
2: don't know. You guys figured out. I have that in my head that he made a very very critical kick earlier in the season. And then the point that I was getting to in this game is he was 7 for 7 P.A.T.'s and he made the go-ahead field goal. That was a 43-yarder, although it looked a little bit shaky like it wanted to go right, but it came back left and threw the uprights. I just think... Grady Gross is worth a shout out that like he hasn't for sure he's been nails he's been great on kickoffs he hasn't missed a PAT like hitting these field goals in these big games so I think that makes me feel a lot better that like if the game comes down to a 38 yard field goal like I feel the odds are in our favor that he's going to make it based on what we've seen so far this Mm -hmm. year
1: Mm-hmm. Only game that I can see that references what you're talking about is against Arizona State because we didn't score an offensive touchdown that game. Yeah, he hit a 47. I... He hit a 47 yarder to go seven to six against yeah. Arizona State.
2: That's probably what I'm thinking about. No, because well, the, and then we had the pick six after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
2: That's probably what I'm thinking about.
0: But regardless, that was? your point stands. No, we we went up. We went up nine to seven. No, nah, so really. we were down seven
1: to six. We got a interception return. We missed the two point conversion. And oh, then- it was
0: after that though. He he kicked another field goal, right? Twenty four yard field goal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's not really. Yeah. Yeah. But the forty seven yarder was pretty big. In that. Was, yeah. Yeah. He's. I mean, he's made some big kicks though. Those are not this, gimmies this in
1: college. Forty seven. You know, like no, the NFL. Dude. Like where we expect Jason Myers and his $5 honestly the the forty three
0: yarder in this USC game was maybe his best kick of the season though like as far as like pressure moment that's to go up three, it's huge and, oh, moment. Yeah. I mean, we were not feeling that great <laughs> going, well, after the field goal. That. No, <laughs> yeah. Well, and we didn't feel great about kicking the field goal no. either, right? I mean, we our offense is on there to score touchdowns against this trash usc defense and we couldn't on that drive so right made them Um, fire their d coordinator
1: yeah how about
0: that alex grinch finally out of a job took him long enough but it's too bad i mean we'll take we'll take credit for having him fired i guess though
2: no we go down to the coliseum and coaches get fired
0: yeah (laughs) kind of true (laughs) (laughs) kind of pretty sure
2: the last time we were there was the time sarkisian got fired yep We hadn't been there since. It feels so long ago. I mean, it was obviously so long ago. Them
0: being in the South, like, we just didn't play them every year. Right. And then he got home away. So, yeah, it had been a while. So, huge win at the Coliseum over Caleb Williams. Is Michael Pendex your Heisman front runner right now, guys?
1: Feel like I'm biased. Yes. Uh yeah. I have to say, because of Penix's interceptions and uh slow UW games for the Stanford and Arizona State, I think some other players are getting their run. I think Marvin Harrison has a chance. He's putting up some insane stats. You look at against Roma Dunze, it's not that different, but Ohio yeah. State Ohio State is massively overrated. And he is so important to that team right now with Igbuka
0: and China. Oh yeah, that's
1: why I think he could get a legitimate run,
0: right? Because he doesn't have a great quarterback. Honestly, no, I'm no, no I'm no, not no. impressed with Kyle McCord at all. No. Like that, this is down the road, guys. But we're fans; cool. we can talk about this <laughs> in theory, right? Uh-oh. If we were <laughs> to play Ohio State in a CFP game, I like our chances. I like our chances in that game better than a game against Oregon. Honestly, I like yeah or georgia
1: or georgia or michigan for sure
0: yep i even like our chances again against michigan better than oregon i think
1: yeah i I don't know i would have to look at that more but ohio state for sure without thinking about it
0: yeah yep and you're talking about the number one team in the land right now yeah can we talk about about this for a second yeah Yeah.
1: thank you um (laughs) thank you go ahead justin (laughs) What the fuck is their methodology? <laughs> Honestly, I know it doesn't matter and it's stupid. And why do we even talk about blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter yet. doesn't matter It, it kind of does though, because this is how they perceive teams and how they're going to rank for another. So they start with Ohio State. And the reason they give Ohio State is resume, which I'm fine, whatever. That's how you're going to rank teams like resume. Then let's go off resume. And then we get to Georgia and they're like strength of schedule. And yes, they had a win over a good Missouri team, but like, you know, it's a close win, whatever. But is Missouri the strength that good, of schedule is like eighty? I don't have it. It's it's low. And then you have Michigan, number three, who's blown out everyone they've played, but they've literally played nobody. Their mm-hmm. best win is against Rutgers, and Rutgers coach Greg Schiano at halftime said, "There's a little funkiness going on in the air at the yeah. game." So
2: something's going
1: on. <laughs> something's going on. <laughs> That's what Michigan. he said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Michigan's played nobody. And they will this week against Penn State at at Happy Valley. So, we'll see how they look there. But no resume to talk about. Strength of schedule is like in the hundreds. Then you have Florida State. And now this is where you probably get to the most comparable team to UW. They've struggled a couple times. Had some nice wins. Best win against LSU at a neutral site. That win is becoming less and less attractive as the weeks go on. Because LSU is now have three losses. Right. Mm -hmm. They beat Duke, who's now unranked. You know, so like the resume, and it's the eye test. Are we talking over? Oh, so if we go back to the eye test with Florida State, they struggled on the road at Pitt, who was, I think, two and six or something going yeah. into the game. And so what are we talking about here? And so to go to US, who the committee thought as recently as last week was the 20th best team in the land. To go there and win by double digits, prime time game, all the pressure, blah blah blah, and to not even bump above Florida State just blows my mind, Sam. I I just I I don't get it. That and
2: you're pairing it with a win over the best fucking team in like oh, the best you. win. You reminded Oregon's...
1: me. You reminded me of another point. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, you go Oregon, you're on it. Oregon is the highest rated number one or highest rated one loss team in the land at number six, right behind UW because they are getting credit for losing at UW, but keeping it close and arguably being the better team, despite Dan Lanning's fourth down decisions. That's the narrative that I'm repeating. Right. I believe Oregon state is clocking in at number 12 and they are the highest rated two loss team in the, in the field. And so what you're telling me is that the PAC 12 and All of its great conference this season has the highest rated two-loss team and one-loss team, but the absolute lowest rated undefeated make it make sense.
2: You can't. There's two words that I will never say on this podcast that could potentially explain it. I'm not going to say those words. (laughs) Instead, I'm going to say six. He who shall not be named.
0: Is he he still on the committee?
2: I'm pretty sure he is.
0: I thought he moved on from that, but maybe I'm wrong. I'll look it up. Okay. But if you don't know who I'm talking about,
2: then I'd be shocked you're even listening to this podcast,
0: (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) No, I, I echo your sentiments. I will say, I think a win against Utah... Probably vaults us above Florida State at this point. Holy they play Miami shit, better. They play Miami this week. They might lose that game too. By the way, I mean I hope so. But
1: yeah, if we beat Utah, then they're gonna say, "Oh, you know, Oregon blew them out at Salt Lake. Utah only won by like blah blah blah." You know, it'll just get spun again. Do,
0: I guess. The, do we have to blow out Utah to to move above Florida State in your mind then? Yes, and what's blowout like? Seventeen, 20? I think
1: seventeen plus, it's like where it's comfortable win. I think we'd get rewarded right. for that. But if we, yeah, have if we lose, if we win a bit by like ten, even just like we just did against USC, mm-hmm. you don't be, be, be like, like, oh, you know, Florida State, oh. No, Oh, great. Boo, Boo Corrigan uh, on the college football show yesterday. He was like, oh, you know, Florida State is tough. They were both out. Some of the two receivers, most of their game, blah, 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 oh, blah. Sh- hey, Pace Jalen McMillan's been out. Oh, that Oregon team? The entire conference
0: season. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's out that game. Yeah. One so. of the best
2: wide receivers in
1: the country. <laughs> Honestly,
0: he was he was probably playing better than Rome before he got hurt.
2: I mean, they were playing. Yeah, uh, like he was for sure top seven wide receiver, hundred percent.
0: Top five, yeah, but yes.
2: I mean, arguably top five for sure. Who does everybody else play? So we got, like you said, Michigan, Penn State. That's Michigan
0: or Ohio State play each other. Michigan Michigan obviously plays Penn State. Ohio State's got cupcakes until Michigan.
1: Michigan has a real schedule finally. So they play Penn State. They go to Maryland, and I think they host Ohio State. So those are like real games, at least you know. Yeah. uh, Florida State has Miami. They have North Alabama.
2: Nice. <laughs> nice. That's
1: and then they have awesome. Florida. So okay. two rivalry games, but all unranked teams. Clearly. North yeah. Alabama. It's like well, it's the worst you could get.
0: It does. I will say that this does signal to me that we can't afford a loss in November. If we're going to make the CFP. Even if we win the Pac-12 championship.
1: I disagree with that. I think the only loss we can afford is a nail-biting close loss at Oregon State. I don't think any other loss will do. Yeah. Maybe. Including if we go undefeated and lose to Oregon in any fashion in the Pac-12 championship. We have to beat even Oregon again, though. Even if it's three overtime. That's the it doesn't matter. Like, if we're 12-1 and one and we lose to Oregon, we're done. Yeah, I agree. Oh,
2: yeah. Oregon's fucking good. Okay, so Georgia. We're, we're getting ahead Georgia, of ourselves here, obviously. But no, yeah. I know. But this is the fun part of like. No,
0: we, no, no. I'm saying we should do this, but like, yes. like, Utah these is are the things that the, that teams say no nos about. Yeah.
2: Right. Georgia has Ole Miss, number nine, this week. Yeah,
0: and Georgia's got a pretty tough schedule.
2: At Tennessee, at Georgia Tech, hmm. rivalry game. So
1: and then SEC championship for sure they're going to be it's going to be a toss-up too
0: i think george is going
2: to lose one of those games Mm. yeah whether it's the championship i don't think they go below us or ole miss they lose so that's was going to be my follow-up question is like we finally have the other top teams playing a similar strength of schedule as us at this point if michigan loses in happy valley do they drop below us
1: Yes, I do. yeah, I think they have they do. to. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. I think if St- anybody
2: loses, they have to drop below us.
1: I think Penn State would move up to six or seven in that. Do you think they instance. would jump
2: Oregon?
0: Potentially, I don't think they would. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, they're probably seven. So, Oregon's probably still at six.
1: But would they jump like Alabama, who's looked better, who has a way better resume? You have Texas because Texas beat Alabama. So you can't really put Alabama above Texas yet. So they're getting into all these scenarios. There's this doomsday scenario that's in effect, in effect that like a bunch of teams could go 12 and one. That's still realistic. And that's a nightmare. Yeah, Texas is still in it for sure even with their backup quarterback, because they play TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. The games they'll all be favored in, and then they'll play likely Oklahoma State now Yeah, in the Big 12 championship. So that would put them at 12-1. and 12-1 Big 12 champ.
2: Yeah, they're getting in.
1: If Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, they're 12-1, but Texas went to Alabama, so you'd have to think Texas is going to get in over Alabama. Yeah and then yeah, it's gonna might, get fat. juicy over the next few weeks and then you're probably gonna have an undefeated big 10 champ whether that's ohio state or michigan likely
0: likely yeah yeah gonna be juicy. Right, another... and, and then it's you dub i mean and... if full if full miss beats georgia well then it gets hairy then it gets
1: really hairy <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah
0: they're vaulting up to like six probably georgia's maybe down to four five
2: like there's well, just not a world where one loss. Well, I guess, that, I mean, Georgia would have beats. to
0: maybe
1: be below Ole Miss though, right? Yeah. And the problem there is Ole Miss lost to Alabama. And so they need Alabama to lose a game to even make the SEC championship. And right. so it would still be Georgia, Alabama in the SEC championship. And you yeah. have 11-1 in Ole Miss just sitting there, dangerous. And that would yeah. be a kind huge Kind of like problem. us last year. Yeah. losses, yeah.
2: Here's another big question in all of this. It's like we, Oregon is kind of the, you know, the grim reaper that's closer, you know, things may be closer than they appear in the rear view mirror. And Oregon is certainly that. They play USC this weekend mm-hmm.
0: at home, 7
2: 30 on Fox. Night
0: game. Yeah. Caleb Williams play?
1: That was going to be my question.
0: This is, this is their last any, chance. They
1: we, they still we, technically have a chance. We haven't seen anything that he's not playing.
0: To be fair, nothing has yeah. come out besides I think his he, little. I think he plays this week besides tantrum. his crying episode. Yeah,
1: I think he plays because if they win, then technically they're ahead of Oregon
0: in yep. the Pac-12 they, standings. They control their own yeah. destiny. I think still in the Pac-12.
1: I think he yeah, because they'd be Arizona championship race. Yeah,
2: and if he plays, do you think USC can win?
1: No, but I think they can score on Oregon. Like I think mm. they can score at least like twenty-eight. Their defense is bad. Like Bucky Irving's going to go for three hundred against them. Yeah, that's the I problem. think he is. So no, I don't think they can win, but I think they can
0: score.
2: Yeah,
0: but Alex Grinch is fired now. So yeah,
2: there's talent sure on the defense,
0: guys. There's talent on the defense. It was Alex Grinch.
2: There for sure is talent on the defense, hundred yeah. percent. But yeah, I mean, how big of a win would it be if USC won? Like, who would you rather play again? I guess. Oh,
0: that'd shake up question. some shit, dude.
2: Who would you rather play again in a Pac-12 championship? Okay, let's just Oof. again, we're I feel like we're just Caleb disrespecting the hell out of Utah. We're gonna get to Utah. Said,
1: we're gonna we're get, gonna there, get yeah. to them. We'll get but there. But if next. you
2: have the choice that you're basically staring down the barrel of Utah, USC, or Oregon in the championship game, rank them from who you would want to play the most. To who you'd want to play the least.
0: For all me, right. I think it's. Utah, USC, then Oregon. I have the same ranking.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we all agree Oregon for sure is not who we want to play. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's going to be the we, toughest. Match we kind of do
0: us. just because we want to beat Oregon again, but. I mean, it's it would, would be, be so nice matchup. to
2: beat them twice. It would just be yeah.
0: awesome. it would but with the lives of our matchup. college
1: football playoff in the balance. That's not who I like.
0: They're gonna be, they're gonna be fired tipped. up for that game.
1: And all we yeah. have to do is, if we're at that point and we haven't dropped a game, then all we have to do is win for twelve and zero. It doesn't matter who it's against. It could oh, be, right. for sure, yeah, Arizona. Yeah. You know, not that I'd want to play Arizona, but you get what I'm saying. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, I guess
2: that's the team I left out. Of. Arizona's mm-hmm. in it still,
0: technically in it, yeah.
2: I think I would maybe want to play USC again over Utah. Over Utah? Yeah.
0: Utah just does. I mean, I. Utah their doesn't scare me on good. paper.
2: They don't you, scare me on paper at all.
0: I understand Kyle Whittingham, but like you, and we'll talk about this like coming up here, but like Utah is a pretty good matchup, even like offensively against their defense for us. Mm-hmm. Their defense is good for sure. Like they're one of the best as- defenses that we played. It's not but as their pass defense isn't as good as you might think.
2: Yeah. Right. I hope you're right. I mean, we need to win this weekend, damn it.
0: Yes. For sure we do. Should we get into that or did you have anything else to say about CFP rankings and the whole gambit?
2: I think just following up, correcting my error, he who shall not be named is no longer on the college football playoff committee. But Jen Cohen is.
1: No, she's not anymore either, right? She I think she, she moved, might have dropped off too.
0: She dropped, yeah. off, when dropped she off.
2: switched schools. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Well, then don't listen to anything I say because I just don't know what I'm talking about, apparently.
0: Well, their voodoo magic is still there though. So
2: Bad Juju.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about this next game. Utah at home, number eighteen team in the country. It doesn't get it any easier after we played usc i know that i predicted this to be a loss um, going into the year so that was me expecting cam rising to play but nonetheless this team is still very very good kyle whittingham's a very good coach this team is one of the most sound in the conference and they're going to do great things in the big 12 when they change over to the big 12 starting next year 12 30 p.m again on fox at home how are you guys feeling about this game, Justin? Let's start with you. Like, how are you feeling just going into this game, Broad Broad scope. I
1: feel like I'm too optimistic,
0: and that scares me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: You know me. I'm Elaborate. Not, I'm the realist. You know, I guess we kind of both are, but I'm more realist than optimist, so they say. Well, As,
0: Sam, Sam, Sam had the least optimistic scoreline of the USC game. That's fair.
2: Yeah. I was almost pretty close.
0: I think we all were in the ballpark, right? We were pretty much all in the ballpark. I still wanted us to go score another touchdown, get a two point conversion to make it sixty, but that's okay. Sixty. That's right.
1: I I feel cautiously optimistic. I mean, you look at what we do well. Sam was alluding to this a second ago. We passed the ball real nice. Real nice. We have a nice quarterback. And his lowest performance was against USC. Why? Because we jammed the ball down their throat and we kicked the ball even further down their throat. You know, at 256 Penix throwing yards, 256 Johnson rushing yards. I mean, wild. We're never going to have that balance again. I think I can say that confidently. <laughs> yeah. We can throw. I mean, 256 I mentioned was is low. Bryson Barnes, their quarterback, in his best game this year, has not thrown 256 yards. And so I just think we're a bad matchup for Utah, honestly. I think we're too dynamic on offense. I think they have a good defense. They have a really elite pass rusher this year that has a they do crazy spin move. But I think I think I just think we're too good and too dynamic on offense, even with our defensive frailty to be worried about Utah. Be worried about Utah like we were against Oregon is what I'm trying to say. Not that we don't have to worry at all, because clearly look at our performance against Stanford and Arizona State, who just right. got thumped by Utah, yep. 55-3. to I just think a sold-out crowd, Utah going away to Husky Stadium and that purple out, a little bit of rain for Utah. Bryson Barnes, inexperienced quarterback. I, I think that's a tough pill to swallow.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I mean, I was kind of saying it as we were kind of, we were getting excited earlier. There's nothing on paper about Utah that scares me. But saying that differently is exactly what you alluded to. You feel more optimistic than you thought. And that scares you. There's nothing on paper that scares me. And that's frightening to me because this is, Utah Hutes coached by Kyle Whittingham are always a good team. Like I don't care who the quarterback is, who the running back is, they're gonna be a a tough team to beat. They're very physical. This was also, you know, it wasn't, you know, a, a rushing attack, like heavy hitting, you know, bruised up type physical performance against USC, but it was a it was a brutal game to play. I mean, Dylan Johnson is banged up. You go for two fifty six. I mean, back and forth, all the plays that we ran—that takes a lot out of the team. And like, hopefully, we can get back, get healthy. Be—they're
0: all living in ice baths this week. They'll be fine.
2: Well, they better be, because I mean, that's probably what they're looking at for the next two weeks of their life. Yeah, going to be brutal. Utah and Oregon State, so. You know, they've got this like safety running back guy. Sioni Vaki is like kind of the, you know, what is the all around best player? Not the, is it the Paul Hornig Award that Mm -hmm. Shaq Mm -hmm. Thompson won his last year here? Sioni Vaki has got to be in the running for that, I would think. I mean, he's playing really good uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is his primary position. They've been playing him at running back and he's popping eight yards per carry. Mm -hmm. So definitely a name to look out for. They've got their backup quarterback that they'll put in as a spell. Nate Johnson is also a scary athlete with his legs, Mm -hmm. very, very fast, very dangerous. And so, again, like there's nothing that jumps out at you that's like, this is the person that's going to kill us. But this is a team that has some players, and they have the mentality that they just want to rip your throat out. And if you're not careful, they're gonna do just that. so i'm I'm cautiously optimistic. but uh, yeah, Utah always is a frightening one for me, no matter what.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt that's gonna be a physical game. That's just the brand of Utah football. I think there's three things that concern me about this game. None of them, like, overly concerning, but for for sure things to keep an eye on. The first you just mentioned it, Sam, Nate Johnson, their backup quarterback, his escapability, yeah. his athleticism, um, his ability to run is just something that always frightens me when it comes to opposing quarterbacks just because we've seen that be able to beat us in the past. You know, I mean, you saw what Caleb Williams did. I'm not saying this guy's Caleb Williams or anything like that. But for sure, we struggle to get guys down when they're maneuverable like that. Um, so anytime he's in the game, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, second thing would be, obviously, their pass rusher. <laughs> Jonah Ellis is, like, super good. So, I mean, our 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 uh, pass protection has been pretty solid this year, but the guy has 12 sacks, so... I mean, he's gone up against some other stud offensive linemen this year too and still had success. So we definitely need to keep Penix clean from him. Outside of him, there's not really anyone to worry about as far as sack total-wise, but he's in and of itself pretty scary. And then the third thing is that it's going to be a little bit windy, I think, on Saturday. And we know when it gets windy in Husky Stadium, it's a little tougher to get the pass game going. Penix can certainly zip it through that. I'm not super concerned about that. But it probably means that we don't have the deep ball in this game. And we're going to have to be relying upon upon mostly short, quick passes. We can do that. We obviously can. But it means that Utah can play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. They can play their more brand of football as far as physicality, come and meet you at the line of scrimmage, one-on-ones, all that stuff. Um, so that concerns me just a little bit, just because I think that this is just going to be a nip-and-tuck kind of closer game than it needs to be because of that factor. Could be wrong, but I saw wind in the forecast. So that's, that's just kind of where my mind's at as far as that goes, because we've all been in Husky stadium when it's been windy in November. It's not a super fun place to be as a fan, uh, but you know, you're in it, you're in it for the purple and gold and, and you stay and yell your heart out. Nonetheless. So um, it is a sellout. I will say it's supposed to be a packed, packed stadium at 1230 on Saturday. So should be a really good environment, but those are kind of my three main concerns going into this game. Do you think that we can overcome those, Justin? I do. I trust
1: Penix's arm strength. Even, you know, you mentioned the deep ball, and that might not be on like it has been for a lot of our games, but I still think we can get the pass game going. Just, I mean, he has an absolute cannon. So, mm. not too worried about that. With the wind, though, it goes both ways. You know, Bryson sure. Barnes has to, I mean, they're back. You guys mentioned their backup quarterback. He hasn't played in like four weeks, right? Um, so they'd have to get him back in the game plan if he's going to play against the Huskies.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I thought Bryson, he played last week against Arizona State. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Did you not?
1: Uh, I thought I looked at the box score, and I didn't see him throw a pass, but maybe he ran. Uh, regardless. He, I, I, sometimes, I mean, he doesn't throw very much. So Right, exactly. So maybe he did. I'm not sure, but that was a blowout, 55-3, to too. I, I mean, Utah hasn't been... You know they haven't had yeah, that many. Yeah, ro- hold on, just
2: jumping in. He did play against Arizona State. He ran the ball twice for 80 yards and a touchdown.
1: Oh, well, there you go.
2: He had a 59-yard touchdown run. So, like, hopefully, let's not let that happen. It's not. that I saw that
1: highlight. Yeah. So there you go. He had two touches, and <laughs> one of them was for a touchy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, your other points. Jonah Ellis is a concern, right? I mean, our offensive line was absolutely dominating. USC Kirk Street mm-hmm. on the call kept calling out the left side of the line specifically. But I mean our line was Parker
0: Brailsford had a hell of a game. He did. Yeah, he did.
1: So that's always a concern. I think our offensive line can hopefully quell with him, but we'll see. But like I said, I'm too I, I'm uncomfortably optimistic looking through what Utah is good at their power ratings, how they've performed, their quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I I just feel comfortable compared to what we've seen. Caleb Williams scares me a lot more than Utah does. And that's that's frightening to say, but just how he matches up with this defense, with this UW defense, and definitely Oregon. So I think we can overcome them all, Sam.
2: Yeah, I think we will too. Do we want to just like jump right into predictions here?
0: I was thinking maybe a key to the game and then prediction. Yeah. Kind of like we did last time.
2: Okay. Um, I think the one thing that we haven't mentioned that is a potential concern of mine, I guess, going back to the recap we had of the USC game, the costly turnovers, Utah's a team that is very good in the turnover margin. I think they're plus Mm -hmm. seven right now. Mm. And so that's going to be key for me. I mean, it feels like we did better against USC and played a little bit of a cleaner game, but at the end of the day, we threw a pick, we had a blocked punt, like still needs to be better in my mind. And so if there's an area where this game could get out of control or stay closer than it should be, it's going to be turnover related. And so I would love to see Penix play a clean game not only because I think that helps us win the game, but also it helps his Heisman odds. I think that was a point Justin made earlier that we didn't really jump into more, but like you start looking at the stat lines of the, of the top Heisman odds and even looking at other quarterbacks like Bo Nix or JJ McCarthy, like Penix's interceptions are starting to stand out in a negative way relative to everybody else. And like, we can all debate why that is and if it's okay or whatever, but like, him putting together a clean game, taking care of the ball is going to be really important to us to win this game. So hopefully we can at least I if we just tie the turnover margin this game, like even, I'd feel good about that. If we can end up in the positive territory, then I'd feel great. So turnover margin's important. That's my key to the game. I think we will take care of the ball. I think we'll take care of Utah having a hard time landing on what I think the final score will be I will go 30 38 to 24 I think we end up winning fairly comfortably I don't think that their offense will be able to keep up
0: does a 14 point victory get us into the top four
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel similarly. I have a key. Um, Utah has played at USC, USC's Swiss cheese defense, as we saw, and they got 34 Mm -hmm. on USC with the last-minute comeback. They also played at Oregon State, Utah did, and scored seven. That's the famous Friday night games for the Pac-12, though, where everyone seems to struggle on a Friday night. I have similar thoughts. So can we get pressure? Can we force Bryson Barnes to throw? that's that's really. Can stop the run, contain the run. They have some dangerous assets, as we've seen, and we've talked about, let's get Bryson Barnes to throw. He has not air mailed it on anybody this year, including USC. And so get him to throw, stack the box, force him to beat him. even with our, Scary secondary or whatever you want to call it. I, I still like my chances there. Um, I have a similar score prediction. I'm going to go
0: 35 to 17 UW. Nice. I'd love giving up under 20. I think that'd give me some confidence in this defense again. Don't get your hopes too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it's, I mean, Utah's somewhat limited offensively, so I get it. Look, uh, my head's in a lot of places on this game. As far as key to the game, I'm kind of along the same lines as Justin. All, uh, all, verb it as winning the line of scrimmage. You know, Utah is a very physical team. On offense, we need to protect Penix. I think if we keep Penix clean, our offense is going to have some present some issues for this utah defense just i i think schematically i think we match up well against them and then on defense i mean if we win the line of scrimmage then we're probably stopping the run right like you said justin if we're able to stop the run force them into third and longs force bryson barnes to throw the ball this guy's not impressive he's 58 percent passer eight touchdowns to five interceptions i mean under a thousand yards passing this year like nothing is impressive about him So he's certainly better than Nate Johnson at passing, but Cam rising is their quarterback and he's, he's the, he's the better one by far. So glad that we don't have to face him in this game. Um, Score line. Let's see. And offensively too, if we're even, if we're even able to get a semblance of a running game, I think it's like game over at the end of this team. Like they're good against the run. So if we're able to get even just a little bit of success, and open up the pass game even more. I mean, it's done for. What did Oregon beat this team in in Salt Lake? By 35
2: to 6. 35 to 6. 38-10. Wow. Woo! Oh man. That would be awesome.
0: And this is me coming from someone that had this as a loss going into the year
2: a lot has changed a yeah. lot has
0: changed obviously i i'm way higher on our team now than i was then not way higher but higher certainly at 9 and 0 um though actually i think i had them going 9 and 0 into this game and then losing this game uh but it's more so how i feel about utah and the fact that they're just they're limited offensively i think the defense responds in this game um i don't think that we're elite defensively or anything like that. I just think that we match up relatively well against Utah. I like us being at home. I like us stacking the box. I like us somewhat winning the line of scrimmage. I think Tule's going to play in this game, and I think that's a big storyline. And I think we just do enough good things on defense to give them issues. We've seen it. You know, like we we give some other other teams issues, and we probably get a turnover or two to help our, help our odds out as well. So... Um, I see us as this, as this of a pretty comfortable win at, at home.
1: Love, Love that.
0: that. But, I mean, I was super confident going into... Well, not super confident, but, like, I had a pretty confident score prediction in the USC game and didn't quite pan out that way. But we still oh. won by 10, so...
2: I'll take it. I'll I, take a dub.
0: I would take any win. Let's just be honest. Like, I'll... I'll Just keep winning, right? That's that's the key here. Just keep taking care of business. Style points matter, I think they do. Like obviously to the committee, but if you win, it really doesn't matter at this point, right? So, um, but that being said, I I'd like to make a statement. I'd like to make a statement on on national TV, twelve thirty p.m. Who else is that kick? Is there anyone else that would match up against us? Oh, it's a pretty good week in college football, though. I think Georgia might
2: play. Is it Ole Miss, Georgia, probably?
1: Tennessee, Missouri. Also, pretty good, a good one. game. Is
0: the Penn State Florida State Michigan game Miami- at nine a.m. Florida
1: State Miami is on ABC at that time as well, which rivalry game.
0: Yeah. I think those are the two big ones. Yeah. We're one of the more favorable matchups, last... though. I mean, I think people are going to tune into us for oh, sure. Yeah, I, think I mean, especially there's... with Penix, like
2: yeah. people have taken notice. Like I know when my brother-in-law and my father-in-law are texting me during the UW game, that like well, it oh, helps you... that we've been Huskies on... are looking mean. That means everybody's paying attention. Like people are yeah. tuning in. We're in the good time slots. Like, right. We're doing that something helps. right.
0: Helps a lot. I mean, Northwestern Wisconsin's at the same time, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, they'll be watching Wisco for sure. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. Well, I think we're all predicting good things for the dogs this weekend. Hopefully that comes true. 10-0 and 0 would be awesome. Did, I don't think that 2016 team got to 10-0, did they? Did not. They, lost, they lost this week. They lost this week at home against USC and the fighting Sam Darnolds. Let's not have a repeat of that. No. Let's not have a repeat of that. Take care of business. Go into the Oregon State week ten or no? Um. Let's move things across town just somewhat briefly here. What did we watch on Sunday, Justin?
1: I don't know. I turned a red zone uh, <laughs> around the fourth quarter. Fair. Didn't take it Fair. anymore. It's it was bad. It's, I. I the Ravens look really good, so let's give them credit. They did this to the Lions. Did this exact same thing to the Lions. But holy hell. I mean, you saw the discourse online, Sam, that people want to give Drew Locke a run now because of how bad that game went. And I think that's too far, personally. I think the offensive line was absolutely manhandled in this game, to be fair, but we could not run the ball. We couldn't defend. I, I thought it was a total destruction of the seahawks that we've rarely seen in the pete carroll days
2: yeah i mean to connor's question what did we watch this past weekend fortunately i didn't watch the game good for you (laughs) i i was listening to it on the radio we were you know making an ikea run and putting some ikea furniture together for the nursery which was exciting i'll shout out to caroline she did the lion's share of the work, but it was her choice to buy the dresser and it's a pain in the ass to put together. <laughs> so not only was I frustrated with the Seahawks performance, but I was also frustrated dicking around with some Ikea furniture that wasn't <laughs> cooperating either. So yeah, it was a rough Sunday to say the least. I mean, Keaton Mitchell. Who yeah. Is this guy? Nine carries
1: for one something like 138. Jesus.
2: 15 yards to carry. I mean, Connor's gonna, you know, obviously chime in here and be like, "Oh, I love me some Keaton Mitchell. He's on his dynasty fantasy team taxi squad. Get out right. of here." Yeah, but I mean, it looked ugly. I mean, the offensive line is clearly an issue. I mean, four sacks. You know, Gino's just no time to to make anything happen. Yeah, no, no running game whatsoever. Mm-mm. I Ken mean, Walker nine carries, sixteen yards. That's also terrible. So like, I, I, I I'm I looking you're... at the box score and I'm like perplexed. We threw the ball twenty eight times and we ran it fifteen times. What the fuck? Like we just didn't have the ball.
1: oh I mean, like some of that is game script too, but yeah, we just didn't have the ball because they're jamming it down our throats. Like you look at that. You had thirteen. You had twenty eight pass plays and fifteen run plays, right? And there's yeah. some sacks in there, but you know, 40-something plays. The Ravens had 41 runs by themselves, right? And so, yeah, yeah exactly. We did that's an ass whooping. I think we were like I don't have it up in front of me. I think it was like three for 17 or something on third down. Something horrible. Let me see oh, if I geez. can find it. Um I can't find it right away. Uh, one for twelve. Excuse me. Different way worse. <laughs> worse. One for twelve. So you're just telling you like it was. One hundred and fifty-one total yards too, to to five hundred and fifteen for the Ravens. Like this is just an ass kicking of modern Seahawk epic proportions. Truly.
2: I mean, there's there's nothing. That you can take away as a positive from the offensive performance, right? Like
1: I, I think from I just any we'll anything, player, yeah. I mean, the boy <laughs> Mafe looks good. I, I boy think Mafe later. looks good.
2: Yeah. Maybe you point to JSN, led the team with recession. It had six, a big drop like,
1: in the beginning, so tainted. Yeah,
2: yeah of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should probably trade him, Justin. <laughs> yeah, Joe Burrow looks good. So one for one, it's fine. Oh, but
2: oh here we go. Let's fire it up, boys. <laughs> Are we gonna
0: talk about my boy Keaton Mitchell then
2: we got to, yeah. to talk about justin herbert by any chance
0: <laughs> look guys,
1: it was bad i think it's uh, one of those games where you have to move on honestly
2: yeah you just gotta it's flush just, it like
1: the game tape you throw away type of deal
0: but burn it
2: how about reek woolen just getting eaten up by
1: he sucks
0: you know, this year
2: old odell that he sucks and... this year
1: I, he just looks kind of weak. Is that, you know, coming from oh, he's a 5'10, fa- yeah. 155 pound guy? That sounds ironic, but he just looks a little
0: weak. Mm-hmm. No, he, I mean, he's never been like the most physical guy, but he looks super soft this year. I mean, he doesn't even try to tackle anyone really. Devin Witherspoon doesn't look soft, so I guess that's good. No, you know. that evens out on the other side. Trey Brown had a pretty good game too. Yeah, they just ran it down our throat, though. You know, like, yep, it was... yep. It didn't matter. Um, I heard you, I heard most of you guys' conversation while I was away for a second, but obviously talked about the offensive struggles. What's the biggest reason in your mind, Sam, for for the offensive struggles? Is it offensive line? Is it Geno? Is it play calling with Shane Waldron? Is it not getting the run game? Is it receivers like where where is your head at as far as like what's wrong with this offense we know that we have the talent on this offense like for it to function well at a high level but they aren't just they aren't doing it this year
2: yeah I mean like I said earlier I didn't have a chance to watch the game I haven't been able to watch it back yet sure but you don't even
0: have to watch this game just like what you've observed over the
2: no 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 I know I'm just I'm caveating my answer because I have to imagine that there's probably some play calling in there that I missed from Mm -hmm. listening to it on the radio. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: That, like, seeing it in person maybe would have hit me differently. But to me, the glaring issue is the offensive line. And I feel like that's just been the case since week one with Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, your bookend tackles, dealing with injuries. Like... (sighs) there's just no excuse like even as with the worst play calling in the world you can run the ball better than 1.9 yards per carry when you rush it 15 times only like that's insane four sacks so to me it's like uh, clearly the stats tell the story the offensive line is doing something wrong like there's I don't care how good your skill position players are. If you don't have the offensive line to give even just a glimmer of time to get the ball to those guys, I feel like that's gotta be the crux issue for the team. But I'm curious for you guys that watched it, if you feel like play calling or Waldron or whatever else is, I mean, it's obviously that's a factor too. You can't play this poorly and not have it be multiple things. But
0: for me, I'm saying what's the most though.
2: Yeah. For me, top of mind, Is the offensive line for me, and like, I don't know what the answers are to that either. That's the worst part for me is like, what is Abe Lucas's deal? Is he coming back?
1: They say he's going to practice hopefully next week, but you know, that's the Pete Carroll thing, right? Yeah, so you don't know. Probably ask your sister,
0: Sam.
2: Yeah, she might know, (laughs) but then I would get her
1: in trouble.
0: (laughs) I know, I uh where's your where's your head on the offense
1: I tend to agree with that I you know like you said there's multiple things and I think there's a lot of heavy things that influence this but we you know we look at the run pass mix and you know first drives were you know run run pass three and out we try to do some run pass and different things but when you're getting sacked you have offensive you have holding penalties that bring you back a false start here and there and all of a sudden, you're sacked. You're, you know, second and fourteen. You run it for what a third and ten. You're trying to, you know, limit the yards. And so, just the game script was horrible uh, to try and get balance uh, and get the run game going. And so, Baltimore absolutely just teed off on our offensive line and just gave us no time to throw or sacked Dino. So it's a recipe for disaster. And then, yeah, I think you know, could we have called more in breaking routes? Sure, absolutely. But I just think this offensive line. Nobody was winning back there. It was Gino, Drew Locke, prime Russell
0: Wilson. Any quarterback. For the most part, I agree. I do think the play calling could have helped them out a lot more, though. I agree. I think a lot of things could have helped them out uh, a lot yeah. more. Like they, they just needed to help out each other a lot more, just in general. Um, but I will say, like Shane Waldron seemed to have no adjustments or like answers to anything that baltimore was showing us on defense that they were blitzing on almost every play
1: it was reminiscent kind of of like the arizona state game uh where yes
0: yes um, yes patrick queen was just like and roquan swift were just blitzing the a gaps and like in the backfield constantly basically was
1: so you were mentioning like play calling and we talked about the biggest reason, but I think it's a huge reason, right? You we've gone to more three wide receiver sets, which means there's one tight mm-hmm. end out there. And so could you have more two tight end sets? Could you have had three tight end sets just to hit protection
0: and, you know, They're, try to they're the a good down the team through? offensively when they have three tight ends in and they're if, not when they have three wide receivers. in. And so that's enough. the thing.
1: Could you have switched that? Maybe, you know, the game script was going horribly. So I get trying to, you know, it's really easy to sit here in hindsight, but no adjustment for sure.
0: Visible adjustment, yeah. I guess that's the better. Right. I mean, it wasn't going your way, but it's not like you were out of it by halftime.
1: No, you weren't. I mean, it was 20 to three when they came out of the field goal. You can still make something happen. But when you go two punts for negative six yards in your first two drives out of the second half, that
0: right, it's done so. Right. But I'm just saying, like, no adjustments coming out of halftime either. Mm -hmm. Like, there was just, there was zero. So I I demand a lot more from Shane Waldron at this point. I'm kind of tired of him. I mean, it's very easy to point fingers at the offensive coordinator when things aren't going well. But you need to mix it up, man. Like, Like, it seems so obvious to a dumb fan like me that when they're blitzing that much, you need to adjust and get the ball out quick and like have some quick throw reads basically and they had no, they still were dropping back Gino 5 7 steps and trying to get something 15 20 yards downfield i didn't understand it there was no power as far as the run game going. any any they were they got a decent run it would be called back with a holding so there goes back to your you know offensive line issues and stuff like that so they couldn't get out of their own way for sure. And that makes it harder on a play caller. But you got to do better than that. Like it was, it was pretty pitiful. Like that was the most damning tape that I've ever seen for Shane mm-hmm. Waldron. Um, as far as an offensive play calling disaster, basically is is what I would call that. So yeah. um, not good, <laughs> not good on a lot of fronts on, on Sunday and get your ass handed to you against a, Look, a really good Ravens team, a really good Ravens team. I think we're going to be hearing about the Ravens deep into the playoffs this year, if not even in the Super Bowl. Um, They are they are playing the best football, I think, of any team right right now. So we'll see how how long that lasts and and how long they can take that. But um, just a terrible matchup, like you said, Justin, going into the game for the Seahawks. And it showed and just shows that we are not contenders (laughs) Even though we were first in the NFC West, we were we are not contenders. I mean, is your mind differently than that, Justin?
1: I don't think we're Super Bowl contenders. I think that we still likely make the playoffs, though, if that's what you're talking about. But yeah, sure. I don't think we're sure. Super Bowl contenders. At yeah, current, I mean, title contenders, construct. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so we play the commanders who are selling their
0: assets. We do. We do. The Fighting Sam Howells yeah i don't know i feel good about
1: this one i mean coming back home they're clearly selling um sellers at the deadline to trade away sweat and chase young to the 49 ers well sweat to chicago and chase young to the 49ers they have some players on offense terry mclaurin and uh, Jahan Dotson the running game doesn't really scare you on Washington Sam Howell's in ex- you know up and down he's had some really good games and really crap games so I think this will be a better matchup this is a get right game I think we'll be able to run on Washington given their D-line woes now <laughs> it had struggled mightily with the Patriots who were awful last week so I, I feel better about this one but it- it- this this last loss definitely lingers and it puts us damper on the seasons like we talk a lot about that gauntlet coming up in a couple weeks where we go like 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. I can't remember the order. I think that's it. That's, yep. it. that's exactly what it is, yes. Yeah. That makes you really scared for that
0: gauntlet because that's what the season comes mm-hmm. down to are those mm-hmm. games. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and those yeah. teams are closer to the Ravens than they are the commanders. <laughs> like... Right. <laughs> oh, for sure.
2: But I do think the point that you made about them trading away sweat and Chase Young makes you feel a lot better about this game because coming off the heels of that, absolute bloodbath with that Ravens defensive line did to our offensive line. You don't feel great about this game if Chase Young and Sweater on the field.
1: Not as good as I do right now, that's for sure.
2: Right. So I I do think that this will be a game, a little bit of a get-right game back home. I think we find a way to win it. Uh it's an NFC matchup, it's important to win this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, I think we'll take care of business. I think commanders are not I think the the moment I it's just tough. I think you when you do make the deals that they make at this point in the season, you're sending a pretty loud signal to the league and to your team. And I think that does matter. Um but yeah. That's certainly a game that we can't afford to lose. That's for damn sure.
0: No, we definitely have to win this. I think if we have any shot at wanting to, especially if we're wanting to compete in this division at all, we have to win this game. And even if you want to make the playoffs with that gauntlet coming up, this is probably a must win. Because you're probably going to need 10 wins to feel good about making playoffs. And yes, this puts you at six. I mean it starts to get pretty hairy as you get towards the second half of the season as far as win- wins go so three or four are going to be pretty tough to come by in the last six or seven weeks. Um I feel I feel pretty similar to you guys as far as like I I feel good about our chances. I think it's a pretty good matchup especially defensively against the Commanders because they're such a pass heavy team. Um one thing that this, you know, defense is gotten going pretty well pretty consistently the past few weeks as a pass rush so if we're able to get in sam howell's face he's not you know really a guy that's gonna escape from the pocket and run for a bunch against you if you can get pressure on him i think that's going to go a long way towards getting these guys this offense off the field and getting your offense back on the field um and i think that this de- yeah this washington defense is nothing to write home about i think that we can score against this defense. I've said that against other defenses as well, and they still really haven't, but I feel like it's a matter of time before this offense starts clicking again. And it really starts with that run game though. Justin, you mentioned it. This is a good team for us to get right in the running game. Would love to get Ken Walker and even Charbonnet, like both of those guys going. Um, Kenny McIntosh might make his debut in this game too, coming off of IR. Um, so that'd be that'd be good to see him instead of DJ Dallas, mm-hmm. um, who who went down with an injury against against the, the Ravens. We'll see where that goes. Um would like to see, you know, Leonard Williams make a little bit more of a splash uh, than he did last week. Obviously, his debut ended up being kind of a shitty game. So um, he, he flashed a couple of times, but like nothing of note because the, the game didn't the game script didn't go that way. So. I think there's still there's there's tons of storylines to look at, at as you go into this game but overall I feel pretty good. Let's just uh I think go around the room. Probably don't even need to do keys to the game I think we likely we, yeah. We're we're the better team. We sh- we should win this game. Basically is kind of where my head's at. Um but we can do score predictions. Justin, let's start with you.
1: 28-17 Seahawks. I think we get right in the running game. We do enough in the air. Washington has a struggle, struggles to move the ball. It's the NFL, so they'll get a couple on us. But I like a comfortable 10-ish point win.
0: How many touchdowns for Ken Walker? One. (laughs) Two. All right, all right. Sam? Yeah,
2: I'm I'm in a similar line of thought. I'm thinking 24-17. A little closer. Just a little bit closer. But I think it's one of those games where it's like, we're comfortably in the lead like it's clear that we're in charge but like it's not a blowout the game's close technically but it doesn't feel that way so we know connor's predictions at least two touchdowns
0: i think this is quite a good get right game for us ooh i think we kind of steamrolled these guys what was the final score of that baltimore game
1: 37 to three is my Seahawks. That's yeah. my prediction.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Woo.
0: This defense goes from giving up 37 to three in one week. I think it's just a matchup thing though. For me, I just, I, I don't think this offense matches up well against our defense at all. I
2: mean, that cool. would be awesome. I'll take it.
1: I love your predictions this week, Connor. I would, i would love that
0: i'm i'm coming out fiery you know they're not likely to come true but you know why why do this unless you're going to be a little bold every once in a while right absolutely 60 to 42 was closer than we thought it was going to be i will say i mean you know penix doesn't
1: throw that interception and 59 42 was in play yes it was
0: hey you never know where to go for two grubs a maniac (laughs) when it comes to that. yeah there
1: you go (laughs)
0: I would still want to just rub their noses in it on that last drive score again. Go for two. But yeah. Daddy Sam wasn't about that though. He just wanted to he wanted to end that game.
2: He wanted to go home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I get it. He had a I get it. of
2: just chill pub and grill at that point. Yeah,
0: he was out with the young crowd. I get it. All right. Anything else that we have to say about our football teams before we wrap the episode, fellas.
2: Nope. Let's, let's get, get a couple dubs this weekend.
0: Yeah. Let's do it. Yep, one on one wasn't good enough. Didn't feel as good last weekend. Protect home field, ten and zero
1: for both teams about are Dub. Yes, but U Dub, protect it, then get ready for that showdown against Oregon State.
2: Oh boy, it's
0: a par yeah, makes me <laughs> nervous. All right, let's focus on this week though. All right, thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the Spotify for podcasters link in our description. Until next time.
2: Go Hawks and go Dawgs!